Hello and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks to answer the question, what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective? We are part of the Christian Podcast Community. Check out this and many other great podcasts at christianpodcastcommunity.org. My name is Daryl and the word of God says in Romans 3, starting in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Mm. I just love those words. I love the book of Romans. I go to Romans many times to reassure myself that I have been saved by grace, that I, it's, it's by faith in Christ, in his finished work. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today with our guest and how it's, it's by faith that we are saved, by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And to bring on our guest, many of you might know him. I'm sure you listen to Theocast. I've been lis- uh, listening to Theocast for, I don't know how long, but, but for, for several years, I'll say. And I've been blessed to listen to Pastor John Moffat, who is our guest today. How are you today, John? Good, Daryl. Uh, glad to have you on. It's, it's fun to get to know you. Yes. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. And um, yeah, if you just want to tell our listeners, because I'm sure, like I said, many of the listeners have heard of Theocast and have listened to you, but just uh, tell them a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from, uh, maybe some about your family and what, what drew you to, to be a pastor. Yeah, well, I was born and raised in California and that uh, used to be a cool thing now it's a scary thing apparently people were intrigued by that and now they they're scared by it especially mm-hmm. people out here in tennessee so that's always fun but uh yeah my my dad was a pastor and so i was raised in a pastor's home and had a really good experience there my my dad was a very kind and gracious man my mom and dad had a great marriage and so i uh, really really enjoyed that looked up to my dad um, we did grow up in more of a legalistic independent fundamental Baptist home uh, or church, I should say, but our home was, was, I think, very consistent in some ways. And then theologically, obviously we were Arminian and uh, a lot of emphasis on holiness and evangelism. But through that, I did hear the gospel and my dad was faithful to preach grace alone. And I saw how he cared and loved for people, which, you know, put a, a desire in my heart to do the same thing. And so at a, you know, early in high school, when I started to think about ministry and went to Bible college and eventually married my wife. And we ended up at a church in Utah as a youth pastor. And so that was kind of my first introduction into ministry. And it was such a horrible experience. I got out of ministry. (laughs) Yeah. It was just one of those things where I realized I didn't know what I didn't know and I needed to go back to school. So I went to seminary and as my my history would say cemetery and uh it's where all good pastors go to die and uh while in seminary i discovered reformed theology and it was wonderful and refreshing and uh ended up in tennessee as a college and young adult pastor to be trained for church planting and after five years of church plant or uh, 
college ministry, I was able to plant Grace Reformed Church in just now uh, south of Nashville called Spring Hill, Tennessee. So we're going into our fifth year. It's been exciting. I have um, my wife and I have been married for almost, uh, let's see, July will be 19 years. And we have four kids, uh, 18, 16, 14, and six. So nice. we got a, and a dog. So I <laughs> just had that on there. <laughs> um, but it's been great. It's been, it's been encouraging to, to watch the Lord mold and shape me through the different up and down times. Nothing, nothing works in a straight line. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've had like multi crashes and multi uh, days of depression and, uh, when I look back, as James says, he's created stability in my faith, even though I might feel all kinds of unstable. <laughs> mm. Nice. It, it, you said in seminary, you discovered Reformed theology. Was it a Reformed seminary that you went to, or was it just in, no. in your studies? No, actually, it was a dispensational hmm. uh, seminary. I went to the Master's Seminary with John okay. MacArthur. Yes. And uh, to their credit, they uh, were very serious about the Word of God. They really... Um, grounded us in taking the word of God literally and looking at history. And so I was introduced to a lot of reformed writers. I mean, obviously John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul were friends. So I introduced to R.C. Sproul during that time as well. And uh, as I began to just research through history and think about church history and, and what has come before, that's kind of where I begin to take a lot of the classes that I've heard in seminary and then and expand my reading. So they would mm-hmm. give us things to read. Uh, the greatest thing about graduating from seminary was being able to read what I wanted to read, not what I had <laughs> to read. <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, I mentioned to you off air that I'm starting Westminster this summer. So I'm looking yep. forward to reading my, my assigned reading. Uh, Cause I'm sure that's stuff that I've always wanted to read, but at the same time, you know, I always hear, you know, people say once they've graduated, then they start reading other things <laughs> as well. So, yes, but, but uh, yeah, many, not, many of these books behind me were subscribed to me, but not <laughs> uh, not ones I wanted to read. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of books on my shelf that I haven't read yet, and I'm hoping some of them will be assigned reading. But I'm, yeah, that's the I always, plight I, of every. Yeah, every I always Christian. stare at my shelf and I'm like, I haven't read any of them yet, but yet I want to buy more. <laughs> exactly. The good thing is that they are tools. They are tools, so they never go bad. Well, there, there's a, a a gif or a, or a meme or something that's going around. It's like this this isn't a problem. It's a collection. That's right. <laughs> that's a, this isn't. A, I don't have a problem. I have a collection. See, I yeah. just hide my problem now. It's all digital books, so no one actually knows how many I yeah. have now. I haven't gotten into reading the digital books because I like to highlight, and I know you kind of can with some mm. of the programs in the digital, but I like to like write and underline and, and make notes. So I haven't. But we'll see. I can be I can be swayed to doing it digitally. Um, so that's a little bit of your background and who you are. But you have a, a podcast, Theocast. So tell yeah. the listening audience a little bit about the show. Yeah. So you know, I'd never done podcasting ever, and we had a church we were trying to help introduce to covenant theology and confessional theology. And Sunday mornings is really designed for the preaching and teaching of God's word, and so we didn't really want to introduce everything on Sunday mornings and just seemed like Sunday school wasn't enough. So as the pastors, we decided to start a podcast where we could talk about things that would be more historical and even debating just for our people. And um, it started out really, it was really bad. The quality was horrible and 
we had horrible microphones. I think I ran into the storage room and found like the worst microphones from 1970. <laughs> the cables <laughs> didn't work, and uh, it was funny. We had a, we had a, we had a laugh about it. We had all kinds of names. We didn't know what to call it. We didn't really care. It was just kind of like let's just do this. And I had an amazing response from our congregation. That they, they, a lot of people said it was really helpful to hear the pastors kind of work through theology we had worked through and answer questions. So we would do uh, some episodes, then we would get questions from them and. Then they started sharing with their friends, and then all of a sudden we had you know lots of people listening, and uh, it was fun. We did, we did it for quite a few years, and then uh, just you know I I planted a church, and one of the pastors retired, and the other pastors took a senior. It, so it kind of unfolded on us over time, and so I had a decision to make: do, do I want to keep doing this? And uh, I my little church at the time had found it really beneficial, and they they had given me a lot of you know encouragement to keep it going. And so we decided to, and I decided, well, I got to find some more pastors because um, the whole dynamic of it, all of us being in the same church is now gone. So um, the Lord uh, introduced me to a Theocast listener named Jimmy Bueller. And Jimmy introduced me to uh, some guy he was following, literally some guy he was following on Twitter <laughs> named <laughs> Justin Purdue. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to Jaws Desperate, you know, yeah. not to, not to put Justin down. He's amazing, amazing pastor but i was mm-hmm. desperate i needed we needed people and the moment i met justin i just knew justin and jimmy were the guys and so we restarted it back in 2019 and it was really encouraging they're just really godly men that are passionate about the gospel and about church the churchmen um you know jimmy has not been able to join us as much uh he has a full-time job as a teacher and then mm-hmm. he spends all the rest of his time as a pastor so he's in a different situation than justin and i am so justin and i can kind of we have more time over our mornings than he does so but just so justin purdue and i have been doing the podcast now for two years and it's been really encouraging from that we've been able to plant another church um uh, covenant uh see covenant grace columbia has been planted and uh, that was also because of theocast so it's been fun to watch how the lord has grown theocast to encourage people it really has bonded a, the reformed communities together from the Reformed Baptist to Presbyterian to Anglican and, and Lutheran kind of, we're all centered on the sufficiency of Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the latest thing for, because of the theoca- of, of the podcast, we've been able to start church planning church network called Grace Reform Network. Mm-hmm. And from that, we're being able to start working on planning more churches. So one, one thing we just thought was fun, funny, and helpful for our church, the Lord saw fit to use it to plant multiple churches and, and, a couple of books have been written. And so it's been, it's one of those things when you look back, you go, that was not supposed to happen, but yeah. I'm thankful the Lord saw fit to use it and, yeah. and people seem to be encouraged. So well, that's great. Usually I ask podcast hosts, what's a blessing that came from their podcast that they didn't think would happen so that you already answered that, yeah. that question. I don't even think I put that on your outline, but <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's great. And cause you don't, you don't know, you know, you start this little podcast as you know, it's right now it's pretty easy to start your own podcast and who knows how the Lord will use it. And, right. and, and, you know, you say you found your co-host on Twitter. I have so many like people knock Twitter and, you know, sometimes it is not a great place to, to look, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I've met so many good brothers and sisters in Christ on Twitter. You know, I was a Facebook guy for a long time and I was like resisted Twitter because then every time I tried to use it, I was like, I don't understand this. Like, well, it doesn't work. The same. But you just have to stick with it. And then once you quit a technology, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But once, once you get, you know, the hang of it and then, you know, you just have a group of people that 
you know, I, I just, again, I've been so blessed by the people I've, the Christians I've met on Twitter and I've had, you know, a lot of them on the show already, you know, just say, Hey, you want to come on? Let's just, just talk about what God's doing. You know, it's, it's, it's a blessing, but um, uh, what, one of the topics you cover and, and I, I love, I love your podcast emphasis is always on the gospel and on mm-hmm. the grace of God. And something you cover a lot is um, Lordship salvation because it, it is, you know, pretty prevalent in, even reformed communities, like mm-hmm. uh, we hear lordship salvation uh, and a lot of the teachers that I still listen to, you know, are proponents of it. Um, mm-hmm. But there's, there, you know, I still can gain from some of the things they're saying, but right. for, for our listeners, what, when we say lordship salvation, what is typically meant by that? Yeah. It's one of those trigger words, right? It's kind of like Calvinism when someone comes off really hot, about Calvinism, you kind of have to ask them to define it. And they're like, yeah, I don't like, I don't like Calvinism either. (laughs) (laughs) What you just defined isn't Calvinism. Right. Um, So sometimes when the word Lordship salvation is used, it really does depend on someone's history, um, their theological background and and understanding. Uh, There are times where I'll describe it, literally be quoting those who kind of, you know, made, made the, the phrase popular, John MacArthur, uh, I'll quote his book, and they're like, "Yeah, oh, not that's not lordship." <laughs> I'm like, well, that's fine that you have a different definition, but mm-hmm. historically speaking, when the movement started, that's that's what it was, and it has morphed and changed over time. I think it has, um, it's grown, gotten, it, it it has shifted theologically to be more accurate towards scripture, but it still has some gaping holes in its some of its logic, but you know. John MacArthur, to his credit, really saw a serious issue within the evangelical Christian world where a lot of people were being confused on what truly uh, sin and the gospel was. So there's no, there was really no divide between the law and the gospel. And, mm-hmm. and the gospel, really, the good news just really became about this, this cultural shift of making Jesus your buddy. You know, if you just make Jesus your buddy, your life will be better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, I'm not angry against such things because, um, you know, it's, it's not like they, they're doing something against me, but it's not going to help them making Jesus your buddy. Uh, it's not going to save you from the wrath of God. Right. right. So uh, his observation of what he would call kind of a free grace or easy believism was a, was a fair assessment. And a lot of people were very confused that the gospel really was, Jesus was just kind of an additive to your life. You know, you're going to add sugar to your sweet tea and, and your life's going to be better. So I agree with the, the, the criticism that that's not the gospel. It's not helpful. And uh, one, you, uh, the most important part is you're not saved from the condemnation of your sin by adding Jesus to your life. So uh, agree with John there. When, when he first wrote the gospel according to Jesus, the first book that came out, I still, I still own the first copy, not the first one, but the first edition. Yeah. Um, well, that would be a, worth a lot of money. Hot off the presses. That's right. That's right. I do. I do have the first Russian MacArthur study Bible. So there's, that's kind of a cool, it's around here somewhere. Do you, so, do you, do you read Russian? No, it's a long story. Okay. But <laughs> the guy in the church or in, in our um, guy, the guy in our church, 
uh, in Nashville was part of getting it translated and all that kind of stuff. So he got yeah. the first edition and somehow I somehow it was given to me. I don't know how it happened. Cool. But it was pretty cool. Anyways, um, so as as John wrote the book, one of the things that he started to do is go through and explain to people that Jesus wasn't just saying, add me to your life. He's saying, I am, I become your life. I, I become the way there is no other way. I'm not the additive. I'm not the supplement. I am the way. So I agree with that, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life that no one can come into the father except by him. And that, that true, that part is true. And so if you read most of the gospel according to Jesus, you're going to agree with most of it. It's from a, from a theologically reformed perspective, you're going to agree with the majority that's in there. The, the thing that becomes a little complicated for us is that John is a self-proclaiming Calvinist. And so he would uh, adhere to the doctrines of grace and he would adhere to total depravity. But in the book, in his first edition, when you're reading it, at times you can realize that if you, if your listeners know this phrase, the order of salutis, the order of salvation, order of salutis get, gets a little bit um, chopped up and confused. And where one of the most important parts of the gospel is the distinction between the law and the gospel, and then and then also understanding the way in which someone is saved, right? The order in which it it, it happens. So, a good example of this would be uh, Ephesians two, when he says, "You were dead in your trespasses and sin; He made you alive," right? And so we would agree that repentance is necessary and obedience is necessary as the fruit of our salvation. That those whom God indwells with by the power of the Spirit, they're going to obey right it's a good thing it's a glorious thing we want it to happen we want them to repent of their disbelief in god and trusting in their flesh and sin and then repent and believing in in the gospel Mm -hmm. but you can't do that because you're dead right so Mm -hmm. the power of the gospel has to be preached the spirit has to come open your eyes and then they have to give you the gift of grace and the gift of faith that's ephesians 2 8 9 right not not of works let's any mention both so you have to have the gift of grace and you have to have the gift of faith and when you do that and your eyes are open you can now repent and you can obey it's wonderful it's glorious uh but the problem is is that the confusion becomes the emphasis becomes that there are people who are claiming to be christians but they haven't they haven't repented of their sins, right? right? So there, there becomes a confusion where we would take passages that say, "Repent and believe, and you'll be forgiveness of your sins," or "Pick up your cross and follow Christ." Um, or the really probably the the biggest illustration that Dr. McCarthy uses in the book, and even in his newest edition. So he he received a lot of the great criticisms that were given to him by guys like Michael Horton and Westminster. There was some adjustments made, but some of the biggest issues were, were left in there. And like the rich young ruler, when he comes to him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Or what must I do to enter the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest part about that question is the word do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what's so wonderful about the gospel, the gospel is news. And that means there's, there's, no, there's no active action within the gospel. Because, mm-hmm. for instance, when you turn on the news, they aren't prophesying what may happen. They might speculate, but their job is to tell you what happened, right? It's news. That's technically what the news is. Um, the law is all potential because the law is the promise of this. Jesus literally says, do this and live, mm-hmm. right? So there's all potential. It's a to do. Gospel is done. Well, the young man walks up to Jesus and said, what must I do? Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus answers his question appropriately because the man did not ask him, how can I be saved? He said, how can I save myself? And Jesus says, well, then you know what the law says, do it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we hear that and he says, well, go sell everything, give it to the poor and follow me and you should have eternal life. And the biggest question is, 
is following Jesus the gospel? And the answer to that is no. We did a whole episode on this. You can go listen to it on our, our podcast feed. Yeah. The following Jesus is not the gospel because that's a do, right? Mm-hmm. To, to, to do the action of following Jesus, can, that means you can say, because I followed Jesus, I was saved. No, you have to say, because he opened my eyes and came in and regenerated me and right. gave me faith, I, I, I am saved. And mm-hmm. now I follow. And I follow because he opened my eyes. So, John, you get he gives a couple of illustrations where it's very confusing in that unless you make Jesus Lord of your life and you forsake everything, you forsake your family, you forsake your wealth, uh, you pick up your cross, you cannot be saved. And the hard part in there is that he will say, well, we're saved by grace alone. And then he'll also say, but you have to forget, forsake everything. Hmm. And if you have to do anything perfectly in order for God to accept you, we're doomed, right? We're doomed. You can't, you can't do anything perfectly. So there, there's a, there's a wide spectrum between all of that, uh, uh, where I would say there are those who are flat out almost Pelagianist where they, you know, they have to make this full decision, um, based upon their own merit. And then there are those who would be Calvinists. They would completely agree that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. But then they confuse the order of salutis where they would say, well, no, you must repent before you can be saved. And the, and the problem is, I'll say this one last thing and I'll, I'll throw it back over to you, Daryl. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that if you must repent in order to be acceptable, right? You have to turn from one thing and then turn to another. I, I don't know if anyone in the history of the world has had the capacity to fully repent of all of one's sin. Yeah. Uh, we don't even understand how simple our heart is, right? We, we, the, the, the Bible says we must be repented. <laughs> so we aren't saved by our repentance. We're saved by our faith and a faith leads to our repentance. So we, we have to get that order correctly. Correct. Yeah. And it, it's the, the, the rich young ruler. It, it's always interesting. And I, I just recently re uh, preached it. Uh, I mm-hmm. preached it a few years ago at my non-denominational church, but um, I was I I am scheduled to exhort. You know, since I'm not a preacher yet, I, I exhort. I don't preach. Uh, <laughs> uh, but my my pastor recent over the last weekend, uh, he he called me like I see the phone ring at nine at night, and I'm like on a Saturday. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I had to last minute kind of uh, fill the pulpit the next day. But I was already kind of reworking this uh, sermon for another uh, a time later this month. Uh, but but what I wanted to emphasize as I looked back at what I've preached before on the rich young ruler was what was I saying what what MacArthur is kind of teaching. So as I'm looking at it afresh now, I see because especially the way I I went at it was because I did it from Luke 18. Mm-hmm. But I was comparing the rich young ruler to the rich tax collector Zacchaeus in Luke mm-hmm. 19. Right. And you can see this law gospel distinction right there because you see, like you said before, rich young ruler, what must I do? And Mm -hmm. Jesus gives him the law and the law should have driven him to see that I've never done any of this. You know, I'm going to tell you that I did, but I never did. So that should have crushed him. It should have been like his moment where he's like, okay, I've never kept the law. What do I do now? And but he didn't do that. He was like, "No, I've kept all of it." You know, basically puffing up his chest. You know, and then Jesus is like, "All right, well, here's one more thing to do." <laughs> you know, he gives him more things to do, and he goes away sad. And that's when you know the disciples are like, "Well, you know, this guy has wealth, isn't he? 
going to be in the kingdom? Like, how can this guy not even get in? It's, it's, he can't be saved. Yeah. He can't be saved. Who can be saved? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then Jesus is like, well, you know, uh, the, the camel can go through the eye of the needle before a rich person can get into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And and what's impossible with man is possible with God. Mm-hmm. And I love that from in Luke, the very next chapter, Zacchaeus, a rich man, it says a rich man, you know, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think no. Luke is pointing that out, a rich man, right? Doesn't even know who Jesus is. Doesn't even like go over to him, just wants to see who he is. And Jesus goes over to him. It says Zacchaeus, and we know his name. There's three accounts of the rich young ruler. We don't know his name. We just know he's rich and mm-hmm. young ruler, you know. But we know Zacchaeus' name, and he, and he called Jesus calls him by name. A guy that just wanted to look and see who's this guy. And he's mm-hmm. like, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm I'm eating at your place today, <laughs> right? And then Zacchaeus at, during the meal is like, Lord, I'm just gonna you know give back all I defrauded, and you know, and the, and the people are grumbling around. What this 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 guy, right? And Jesus stands up. This too is a son of Abraham. I've come, I've come to seek and save the lost. You know, no, Jesus didn't tell this guy to do anything. He didn't ask this guy to do it. He just did it. And the difference was God is the difference. The, his heart was changed. He was he was born again. He was regenerated. And that's why he he this rich man who is impossible. You know, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And that's that was right. the, the, what I pointed out. So the 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 guy seeking to be justified by the law wasn't hmm. but this guy wasn't seeking to be justified at all and just had a heart change and that's hmm. that's the gospel right there yeah. he he exhibited faith his his wanting to give back wasn't what got him to be a son of abraham it was the fruit of him of of his you you see his, he was granted repentance that's but right. his repentance didn't get him in and i just i just love that I, I just love the the way it's in luke like mm. but <laughs> anyway that's a good observation it's a great observation because it's true because zacchaeus does the very thing as a fruit of his faith mm-hmm. not as a way to gain his salvation right and i just love that we know zacchaeus name but we don't <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy just wanted to get a look and that's what i was i was i was i was emphasizing like we just need to look at jesus that we just need to look mm. Just look to Jesus. You know, it, right. I think I think it was a passage in the Old Testament that Spurgeon heard about just look, <laughs> you know, just that's look right. and see. And that's 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 the beauty of the gospel and the simpleness of it. But that's why I think sometimes people want more than that. Like they mm. or they or they'll, they'll seek more. Okay, yeah, I believe, but now what must they do? No, no, man, just just rest in right. that. That's where our assurance is. And that, that's helped me listening to your podcast and, and other ones, uh like um the pactum I listen to now, uh, mm-hmm. or or the other Abendroth uh, on no no yeah, compromise, no compromise. Radio, yeah, you know Dr. Clark, like emphasizing the law gospel distinction. When you know that, then then you can find the assurance where it rests in Christ, and it's beautiful. It's awesome. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank you for giving that syn- synopsis of of lordship uh, mm-hmm. salvation. Um, what, what else? I don't want to keep you too long here, but what yeah. else can you in, encourage our listeners with? And could you please share the, the gospel with the yeah. listeners? Yeah, well, I, I think I kind of pointed out the negative side of Lordship Salvation. Um, sometimes when people hear me oppose something like Lordship, they think that I think that you could just, you know, say a prayer, say, believe the gospel and live however you want. And that's, um, that's not, that's not the, 
uh, there, let me put it this way. There aren't two positions. There isn't the free grace position and then the lordship position. So if you don't hold the lordship position, then you're automatically in the, the free grace movement. So that, that would mean that everybody that's confessionally reformed would be in the free grace movement, and that would not be the case. Um, historically speaking, for the last four, 500 years, we have been embracing the confessions, right? Westminster, Heidelberg, Catechism, London Baptist Confession. And, and when you read that, it's, it's um, abundantly clear that we are dead in our sins. I mean, it's, there's so many sections in there that talk about our, our saving faith. And the saving faith is a work that has to be outside of yourself. So what's so comforting about the gospel, the, the truth of the gospel, is that when you look at why it is that God would say, you're my son, right? You're my child. Um, you have all of the righteousness of Christ. You know, one of the greatest stories Jesus tells, and we all know it, but sometimes we miss the big point. The greatest story Jesus tells is the prodigal son. And when the son comes home, he comes home ready to some, <laughs> somehow restore the relationship that he has with the father. And he has taken the father's name and he's taken its wealth and he has completely desecrated it. And he has done everything you could possibly do to prove he is unworthy, not only of the name, but of the wealth. And he is in the bottom of the pits and he's thinking to himself, well, I'm going to go back. And his plan is to earn the father's favor by working for him, which is insanity to think about, right? That he has squandered everything and now he's going to earn it. And he shows back up. And what does it say? The father is, is looking for him. He's waiting for him. And there's a metaphor that's used there that sometimes I think we miss. The father runs out to the son and he doesn't let the son speak. Like the son has the speech and he doesn't let him speak. And he says, my son, which is dead, is now alive. And he puts a ring on his finger and he puts a robe on him. What is he doing? He's taking the reputation and the wealth that he has earned. And he puts it on his son. And then he says, now let's go celebrate by killing the fatted calf so that the all may know that my son has returned. And it's, it's shameful because the son clearly does not in any way, shape or form deserve this at all. Well, the gospel is, is that for us in that you have done everything to violate this relationship with the father. Uh, this is why he says you're dead. Like you are caught and you're dead and there's no way out. And there, you couldn't, you, you couldn't even try to work your way out of this one. It can't happen. And then Paul says, he makes you alive. Right. And um, the greatest part of the gospel is that you cannot contribute, nor can you subtract from this um, sovereign relationship that you have. So like if the father, the father set his love upon you and he adopted you. So you can't alter that based upon your actions because your actions didn't get you in. You actually did everything you could possibly do not to get in. And God, God brought you in. How does it, how does it, we know that we are brought in. We are brought in by his love and by the sacrifice of his blood and by the righteousness that is granted to us. So everything that the father would need to love us. It's been granted to us. That's why in 
That's why as a sinner, he says that he can love us because what has been given to us, our forgiveness and our righteousness. And so we can stand before the father without condemnation whatsoever. And that's why Paul says we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And it's a, it's a, it's a really great truth. And what happens is when we don't emphasize that week in and week out, we don't emphasize this in our life. We don't emphasize it from the pulpit. We don't read scripture in this way. We began to flip it. So we can change it to say, well, God cleaned your slate and now you got to keep it clean, right? Or God gave you another shot and now you need to do all these good works to prove uh, your worth and your value. Well, here's, here's the one stipulation you need to understand is that God requires perfection and it's right for him to do so. <laughs> you know, um, if, if a serial killer kills somebody and they said, hey, I promise I won't do it again. Give, give me another shot. You as a judge would be insane. He's like, hey, look, I've only done it three times. I know that makes me a serial killer now, but give me another shot at this and I won't do it again. It's like the, the judge would be insane to do that. And there, there is no repentance in the law. So the law, there's no category in there where it says, okay, do this and live. But if you mess up, I'll let you do it again for like so many times. Uh, what did he say to Adam? If you eat of the fruit, you'll die. No do-overs none whatsoever so instead of killing adam and eve he ends up killing the seed of eve he ends up killing his own son so adam didn't get away with it and Eve didn't get away with it they died but the punishment of eternal death final death final destruction fell upon the son to which god promised would come so that gospel message becomes it starts in the gospel here's what's great this is what's so great about genesis what does god require of adam and eve nothing right nothing there's they 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 aren't given anything to do other than to believe in the promise the messiah will come he will crush the head of the serpent it's going to happen he's going to bruise his heel and then abraham hears the promise and then isaac and jacob and, and then you move on to moses and then you move on to david they, the the promise continues of the patriarchs all the way until you get to the new testament and it's wonderful because what does john say as the last prophet he sees John, who knows, he knows the Old Testament. He knows the prophets. And he sees Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He gets mm. it, right? He gets mm. it. What I love about John, though, is this. It's a funny story. Luke, or Matthew 11, he's in prison. And he's about to get his head chopped off. <laughs> and he's sitting there contemplating his life. And he goes, oh, man, I really hope I got the right guy. <laughs> so he sends his disciples, says, will you, will you go ask Jesus? Like, is he really the guy? Jesus says, go back and tell John this, that the sight have seen, the dead have been raised, the deaf have heard. I mean, he, he quotes Isaiah. Yeah. He, it's amazing. He quotes Isaiah. And the point of it is, is that we can truly trust that Christ is the Messiah, the one who was promised to take away the sin of Adam and Eve that was inherited to us. He's the second Adam. And here's what's great. And I'll close with this, with this thought. Uh, Paul describes Adam as the first Adam where he failed to enter into glory for all of sin falls short of the glory of God, right? Mm. Jesus is described as the second Adam and Adam. If he would have obeyed God, he would have been in the presence of God in glory forever. Mm. And this is what Hebrews says to us. It says that Jesus rose from the grave and he brought many sons to glory. And as the second Adam, he fulfilled the righteous requirements, the righteous obedience. So Jesus paid for your sins. And then he earned for you the righteous right 
to enter into the glory of God, where there is no death, there is no sin, and he wipes away every tear. And what is left for you to do? Nothing. There's nothing. That's why we can, that's why Jesus says, come to me and you can have rest. Mm. And then he says this phrase, which is powerful. You can't miss. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. The reason of that is he does have things for us to obey, but we obey them because of our status. They're light and easy because the eternity doesn't hang in the balance. (laughs) You don't have to obey those so that you earn salvation. You have it. It's hard to love your brother. That's what the burden, that's why it's called a burden, but it's not, if you don't love him perfectly, you won't make it to glory. Glory is secured because Christ secured it. And now we await our final destination. Amen. Yes, that that guilt, grace, gratitude. That's right. Amen. Right. Yeah, it's Amen. it's a beautiful thing, and I love the way you just shared that. Went basically, you went through Genesis all the way through, and <laughs> the gospel is beautiful. in every page. It is. It's beautiful. Um, so now that you shared that, let's have not that that wasn't fun because it's definitely fun, and I can't. It never gets old. <laughs> never gets old here and here in the gospel and the, the grace no. of God for our salvation. But here's the here's here's my fun question. I've been asking all the guests. It's about Nicholas Kim Coppola. Now, did you need to look up who Nicholas Kim Coppola is? Absolutely, I did. Okay. And who is Nicholas Kim Coppola? Well, he would fit into the Calvinist cage for sure. <laughs> I don't know about that. He he's in that uh, left behind. Yeah, movie, that's so he's true. A little, he fits in the dispensational. Uh, yes, cage he does. There. But Nicholas <laughs> Cage. Uh, here's the question about Nicholas Cage. Sure. If a Nicholas, have you seen Nicholas Cage movies? Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. And once again, here's my disclaimer: I'm not endorsing. Nicholas right. Cage movies. I'm just having a little fun. That's right. uh, if if a Nicholas Cage movie was real life, what character would you be? And you can't be anybody that Nicholas Cage is playing. So it's a supporting role, a supporting role to Nicholas Cage. If it's a real life, if it's a yeah. movie's real life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One of my kids' favorite movies is Night at the Museum. No, not Night Museum. It's um National Treasure, sorry. Yes. Night Museum is one of them, but National Treasure mm-hmm. and the nerdy computer guy that travels around with him. Nice. He's so funny. And so Riley. I would, uh, Riley, I'd be the supporting role of Riley. Nice. <laughs> I, I think I would, in that movie, I definitely would be too. I think he's, yeah. so that's, I think that's the second, you're the second guest that has said, has said Riley. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I got, I, you know what? Nicholas Cage. I think that's the only movie of his. I like, I cannot think of another <laughs> movie of his that I'm like, I get done watching it going. I don't think I'm going to admit to. I see. I've seen that. <laughs> I, I like it. And and I like that one. And the second one, national treasure too. I, yeah. I like those kind of movies. Clever. You know, yeah, very clever. I grew up in the eighties watching Indiana Jones. And it, it oh, yeah. reminds me a lot of that, that, you know, archeologists, you know, looking for, clues to this or that you know oh i so. always wanted to be indiana jones when i was a Definitely. kid i was convinced i was going to be a biblical archaeologist Ooh, that never nice. happened yeah. with, with the whip <laughs> yeah. well, well it might be why i don't like snakes is yeah, from watching watching that yep. first uh, indiana jones movie so yep. the floor is snakes moving. why does it have to be yeah, snakes? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah so that that's my 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 fun question about Nicolas Cage. Uh, and I think there's a there's actually a Nicolas Cage movie coming out where he's playing himself. So mm-hmm. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that looks, 
looks pretty interesting. So where can people uh, find you, find the podcast? Yeah. So theocast.org, like theology podcast, so theocast um, for the spelling. And uh, you can, all of our contact pages there. Uh, my church website is gracereform.org. So you go there to um, listen to the sermons and get in contact with me, uh, Theocast or Grace Reform will go come right straight to me. If for whatever reason you wanted to contact me, I'm not sure why you would, but mm-hmm. if you did, uh, you can do so. Excellent. And you can find my podcast at uh, christianpodcastcommunity.org. You can follow me on Twitter, just at Daryl Updike, the happy Presbyterian. Or what are we even D1 is the at for the Twitter for the podcast. But also, um, as I mentioned before, that I'm starting seminary at Westminster in Philly this summer. And I'm going to ask my listeners for prayer. First of all, if you guys can can pray for that, I'm going to need a lot of it. It's right now it's a a six year track. And so I'll probably be 80 by the time I'm graduating (laughs) but the lord can use 80 year olds now i won't be i won't be 80 but i'll be six years older than i am now if you've done the math that is if everything stays on track so definitely need some prayer for that but i would also ask this and it's always weird asking for this but my goal is to eventually as of now plant churches and uh, i believe i'm called to do that i I believe we need more reformed churches Mm. in in new jersey as you know, that's where I'm located right now. Uh, but financially, you know, it, it is a, it is a cost for seminary. But my seminary has granted me with a matching scholarship. So, if you feel inclined, if the Lord is leading you, any little amount will be matched by the the seminary. And I'm going to provide a link at the bottom of the show in the show notes. So if you feel like clicking on and donating, I would appreciate it. Always, you know, of course, give to your don't take it away from your family and then always give to your church first. But if, if you want to support, I would much appreciate it if, if you could. And uh, I thank you in advance, but most of all, please, please pray for me and pray for my family and for my church as well, because, you know, hopefully I can be utilized in the meantime uh, as being under care and whenever the pulpit fill needs to be done or whatever my church needs me for. So I thank all the listeners for always listening. So again, check out all the podcasts at the ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. And until next time, I pray you continue to seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. Drive safe, Brady. The floor is moving. Snakes, why does it have to be snakes? Yeah, yeah. (laughs)